Morning friends, this is Karen Pennington here. And you know, one of the reasons that I enjoy working with children, even with youth, with uh, even young adults, but really that under 18 age, is that they really teach us a lot about ourselves. We, we really do learn. They're, it's like looking into a pure form of a mirror. When When I look into a real mirror, which I do every morning, I will see how messed up my hair is. I'll see what my face looks like. I'll see, you know, I can do my makeup. There's a lot of physical things I can see. But when I look into a child, when I look into um, a middle schooler, heaven help us, uh, you see your insecurities. You see a more pure version of the things you're looking for. You know, that desire to fit in that you can see so readily in uh, middle schoolers, more of a faith, but also a that struggle between faith and resistance, its it just seems to happen in a purer sense. It makes you angrier sometimes because it comes right and hits you in the face. And let me tell you, there's one thing about middle schoolers, which I tend to get to a lot, that really, really gets on my nerves. And it's kind of funny because it's probably my biggest issue too. And that's that they talk too much. They just talk too much when they're not supposed to be talking. I have one particular class. I've had them three days in the past week. The kids are so sweet. They're not rude. Um, well, one of them sort of is, but most of them aren't rude. They're they're very like kind. They say nice things to me, but they just won't stop talking, and it's so frustrating because it'll be like, "All right, guys, no more comments," and someone will raise their hand and go, "You're pretty." <laughs> Thank you. Stop talking. And someone else will raise their hand and go, "But I wasn't talking." <laughs> well, now you're talking, and like I had, I actually had to get somebody to come in and sit with them because I couldn't it was like usually I can get the kids to behave and these kids they would just they would not stop talking they kept feeling they had to share a story these seventh graders had to share a story about something that happened somewhere and they there were a lot of compliments they told me how pretty I was how much they liked my boots how much they liked my shirt they talked about how other students had misbehaved for other kids they talked about how they were telling each other how to shush they were you know one person would raise their hand to tell me how they weren't talking before when I said not to talk <laughs> and then one kid yesterday almost got himself in trouble so bad because he did one thing he stood out of his chair or something and I just looked at him and I what did I do I didn't talk I didn't talk and I'm like just stop talking. But I didn't talk. And, it, and I said, keep the words inside your mouth because they're getting you in trouble. But it's frustrating because, you know, I'm there as a teacher. I have something that I have to teach them. They have work that they need to do. And while there's a time to talk, there's a time to have fun. Like, they just can't keep the words in their mouth. And so they're trying to connect with me, but they're connecting with me in, in the wrong way. They're trying to have fun, but they're doing that in the wrong way. And they're just... They just need to stop talking because they can't hear the instructions. By the end of the day, they don't get as much done. Now, I did get, this class did actually end up having a couple of good days um, on the threat of detention. I had to say name, check mark. I had to get very simple. And I had to keep telling them. I actually, the mantra was keep the words inside your mouth because the more they tried to talk to reason things out to tell me what they wanted to tell me to share, the less they got done. Really, the less connection we had and the less learning they had. So it was just this tendency to have to fix everything by talking more and it was making it worse. And as frustrating as that is, it kind of makes me laugh because that is probably my biggest issue in life and faith and everything that I always want to insert more of my own words.
Thus, I have no problem talking to people five days a week in the morning. You know, (laughs) I always have these words to insert. And don't get me wrong, there's a time for words. But as I'm approaching God, I feel it's the same as even more so than when these middle schoolers were approaching me. You know, I'm approaching an authority. He has things to tell me. He has things to teach me. And sometimes I just can't stop talking. I want to give him my agenda. I want to give him my opinion. And while there's a time for that, um, there certainly is a time to listen. You know, sometimes, sometimes we want to worship God by just telling him everything, by giving him ourselves. And there's time for that. But sometimes worship, we should be listening. We should be receiving. We should be opening our hands and Then we walk away dry because it's like going to a dinner table and never eating. We don't get the nourishment because we can't shut our mouths, you know, (laughs) like those middle schoolers. And we may even say, God, you're beautiful. God, you're lovely. God, you're great. Those are all wonderful things to say. I'm not saying that. But, um, well, as Ecclesiastes says, and that's where we're going with this, there's a time for everything, specifically Perhaps the biggest verse in Ecclesiastes that I need to remember is Ecclesiastes 3.7. There's a time to be silent and a time to speak. Isn't it funny that it said silent first? There's a time to be silent and there's a time to speak. All right, kids. Listen to the instructions first. Get your understanding first. And then let's interact with it. It's time at the end of the class to communicate. There's a time for questions. But if I haven't given you the instructions yet, why are you barking out questions about things that I haven't even told you? All right, kids of God. There's a time to share our concerns. There's a time to just enter God's presence and hear what he would say first. Has it ever occurred to us, just like in the classroom, that this classroom I go in, most of the questions they have for me would be answered if they would just listen to what I had to say to begin with. They, the questions would already be answered. How much of our stuff in life, how much of our fears would be answered if we would just shut our mouths and listen to God, you know? It's like when we're trying to build something and we're not sure. How much time do we waste sometimes simply because we don't read and pay attention to the instructions? How much miscommunications happens with our spouses and people we love because we're not taking time to sit and hear their hearts? Not just the words, but even the nonverbal, you know, what makes them smile, what makes them frown, what makes them nervous. One of the words for listen in the Bible means pay attention. Um, Deuteronomy 6, 4, they call it the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the thing that they say, you know, traditionally should be the last words in their mouth before they die, understanding who God is. But hear, listen. It's not just a passive thing. Pay attention. Let it get into you. So Ecclesiastes talks a lot about what is meaningless and what is meaningful. Actually, it talks a lot more about what's meaningless. 
from a king from King Solomon, who did a lot of meaningless stuff. He chased after riches. He chased after gold. He chased after even wisdom. He said, even wisdom can be meaningless when that becomes your God, when it's just about getting more understanding rather than seeking the God of understanding. And in the end, with all of his riches and all of his goodness, he said that there's nothing better than for a person to enjoy their work because that's their lot. The most important thing to him at the end was to honor God. Find out what God wants you to do and do it and enjoy it because there's no greater pleasure. This is from a king who had everything and found emptiness in it. But even more so than that, if we want to know what God wants for us, we have to listen, right? You want to understand the assignment 7th grade math class? Listen to what the teacher's saying. You're not going to know the assignment even until you stop talking. So here's what, um, specifically what, oh, good goodness, I'm sorry my phone went jinky now. I'm taking a picture of, my, <laughs> of myself. Here we go. Um, so Ecclesiastes 5, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near, to listen, is better than the sacrifice offered by the fools. Listen to the assignment. For they don't know how to keep from doing evil. Why? Because they're not listening to the assignment. Never be rash with your mouth. Nor let your heart be quick to utter a word before God. Oh my goodness, Lord, forgive me for that. For God is in heaven and you're upon earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For dreams come with many cares and a fool's voice with many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay fulfilling it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill what you vow. It's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not fulfill it. Ever had that happen? People make you lots of promises. I would really rather you not promise something than make a commitment, especially if I know you're not going to keep it. It just, it's like a rotting feeling in the pit of my stomach when I hear somebody tell me, oh, I'll do this, I'll do this. And in my heart, I'm like, they never do. Just don't say it, you know. It's better not to say it. It's better you should not vow than you should vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your words and destroy the work of your hands? With many dreams come vanities and a multitude of words. But fear God. And honestly, if we had to put the whole book of Ecclesiastes into a nutshell, that's it. Outside of God's will and God's wisdom and God's plan, words are meaningless. Toil is meaningless. Wisdom is meaningless. Success is meaningless. Friendships are meaningless. Does that really mean they're meaningless? Uh, well, not so much. In so much as a balloon is meaningless without the wind that goes in it. Nothing about what we do is good or meaningful without the God who ordains it. So even as I look at these middle schoolers, whom I love, sweet kids, and how frustrated 
I get because I'm like, just listen for a minute. Stop defending yourself. Stop. Just listen. Stop asking questions. Stop wondering. Stop being frustrated that we're getting nothing done. Just sit and listen. And then you'll understand the assignment. And then you'll get the assignment done. And then we'll have time at the end of class to chat and enjoy each other. And there will be time for questions. Listen to the instructions first. Don't tell me about what you think you should do, what you thought you should have done, what you think should happen, what always happens, what can happen, what won't happen. Just stop. And then I think about, <laughs> I don't know if God gets that frustrated with us because God's patient, but we sure can be frustrating when we come to God and all we have are words, but we're not willing to hear and According to Ecclesiastes, the only true joy and meaning comes in doing what God intended for you to do. So wouldn't it be worth it to hear the instructions? And even more than that, God has work for me to do, but God has joy for me too. And I want to know what it is because I want to receive it. I have no problem with receiving the gifts God wants for me. And yet I keep talking. So let's do something a little different this morning. I always pray at the end. Maybe this morning's a morning of silence. So I invite you, if you've held on to meet with me this long, to just take a moment. And let's come to God, not with our words, but with our silence. It starts with a moment in a minute. I remember uh, a few years ago, well, more than a few, maybe close to 20, I really wanted to have a silent retreat um, as part of an institute that I ran for discipleship. And it was a personal thing because I had a very personal goal to get people to spend 10 minutes a day in silence with God. And once that happened, I realized I personally was not able to spend more than 10 minutes a day in silence before God. And I knew that because I went to a retreat myself and there was a lot of learning in worship. And we had a point where we had to spend like, I think three hours and we weren't allowed to bring anything but a Bible. Um, and we weren't supposed to be planning or writing a lesson or doing any of that stuff. It was just supposed to be us and God just saying, God, what are you saying to me about me? Now, what are you saying about the world? Now, what are you saying about the specific scripture? What are you saying to me about me? And it was hard it was so hard for me to do it. But when I do, when we do, there's a different kind of a fullness that comes in that. There's a different understanding. There's a different conviction. There's a different empowerment. So I'm not going to sit here for three hours, but let's just see if we can take a moment. Dear God, we just bring you our silence this moment. In your name. Amen. Be blessed, my friends.
May you experience the fullness of everything God has to say. May you experience the fullness of God's silence. 